0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What up, Ravens flock? On this episode, we discuss the Yannick trade. Dez Bryant gets signed to the P squad. We also talk about Julio Jones. We talk about Antonio Brown. And we talk about the Ravens' performance against the Eagles in week six. Ravens flock, let's get it. What did it mean when the Ravens
0: told you we want you as a quarterback? I told them they're going to get everything about me. you going to win the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. Ain't this what they've been waiting for? You ready? you ready? Uh, uh, I used to pray for times like this, to rhyme like this, so I had to grind like that, to shine like this, in a matter of time I spent on some the the oh, life.
0: He is
2: Nightmares come true. It was time to marry the game, and I said yeah, I do. If you want it, you see and it, it to go long yeah, sure. first and the pass Let's
1: What up, Ravens Flock listeners? Welcome back to another episode. I'm Jack settlement Joining me today, and as always is Kamar Aiken and the kid Gowie little fun episode we got headed into the bye week. I mean, I thought we were going to just have to talk 30 minutes about a horrible game against the Eagles, but spiced it up a little with some trade activity. So this morning, the Ravens traded a third and a conditional fifth for Yannick. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. If you two want to try, let me know. Um, and then signed Des Bryant or potentially signing Des Bryant to the practice squad, so we'll start with Yannick. Um, that's a massive move for the Ravens. Kumar, what do you what do you think about that? Uh, it's a surprise move
0: that he's available um, and, and that he was even, you know, uh, an option. I'm not surprised by the Ravens because they they're known for doing moves like this and, and getting better uh, mid season. So it's not a surprise. It's, it's a trickle down effect from what Ozzy did when he was when he was there to now what's being done. So I'm not surprised by it.
1: Gally, what'd you think when you first saw the move? Um, like I said, man,
2: EDC, he's a magician. This guy knows how to make moves and he does it on the sneak. He's like real sly with it. Um what what Michael Jackson say, a smooth criminal. Because basically what <laughs> he does is he goes in, he robs these teams of very productive players and he gets them for the like for the low. So, um, once again, this came out of left field. If you remember last year, the Marcus Peters trade, that came out of left field and You know, he boosts our team a lot. So I expect the same thing from Yannick.
1: Yeah, and let's just talk logistics of the deal. So we give up a conditional fifth with the third rounder. Now, Yannick is on an expiring deal, as is Matt Judon on the franchise tag. So if either one of those leaves, probably Matt Judon, the Ravens actually are going to get most likely a third round pick. So uh, essentially what EDC did here is trade – Matt Judon's future for Yannick and what we ended up doing with Marcus Peters was we traded for him and then re-signed him. Mm -hmm. So now if the Ravens believe Yannick's better than Judon, which we can discuss later, I do believe that they might've just upgraded their future pass rusher. So obviously a great move from the Ravens. Now that front, I mean, the front five is insanity. (laughs) Judon, Yannick, B-Will, Wolf, and, Uh, Calais can't even forget about him he won defensive player of the week so that's special and one thing I do want to point out is that the Ravens are stacking up that defense always been a defensive minded team while the Chiefs are stacking weapons I'd rather be stacking defense than adding Le'Veon Bell to an offense that was plenty fine Um, do you think this is a counter Kamar to what the Chiefs are doing or are the Ravens more focused on themselves?
0: I think it's a more focused on themselves. I think, like you said, they, they do like to to beef up the defense and, and spend a lot of money on the defense because at the end of the day in the playoffs defense wins championships. Uh, going back to uh, Kansas City, though, getting bailed, they got best available and, they, and that was a, a, yeah. a great pick. for. They don't even need that pick but that's such a, a bonus option for them and I feel like it's going to boost their team and his career. But, um, yeah, I feel like for the Ravens, though, it, it is a defensive mindset when they when they do these moves. And I never really see it on the offensive side. Even when I was there, I didn't see it on the offensive side. But definitely defensive-wise, that, that, that's their mindset. It's, it's a defensive organization and defense wins championships.
1: Gowie, what do you think? Focus yeah, just on themselves or Kansas City?
2: Yeah, I'm a, a piggyback on Kamar with this one. Uh, you know, the Ravens franchise has always been about defense, always been defensively driven. So I just feel like they saw, you know, some struggles here and there, you know, with the pass rush or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the opportunity presented themselves. They jumped on it. And like you said, I feel like they're trying to upgrade with a 25 year old pass rusher
1: and potentially get a pick out of that. If Judon decides to, you know, part ways. That's a stud to pick up. I will say the one thing the Ravens have been getting good pressure, but we're a blitzing team. Everyone knows that Mm -hmm. now adding us, you know, a pass rusher, a really good pass rusher. The people have said the game plan against the Chiefs is drop safeties. He carved up the blitz. This could be I mean, it definitely helps out the Ravens, but it could be somewhat of a look towards the Chiefs. Moving to the offensive side of the ball, like you said, Kamar, Ravens bringing in big name free agents for offense, not not <laughs> synonymous, not something that really so happens. <laughs> we talked about trading up in the draft for Judy, CD Lamb. We've talked about signing, you know, trading for Julio Jones. No, they're going to go with the 31 year old. I think he's 31. <laughs> yeah. Off a torn ACL, hasn't played in two years, but the Ravens have been trying to get this guy for four years. So Dez has always kind of been in a rumor around the Ravens. What do you think about the timing of this? Because he came in in August, they tried him out. And then what do you think it says about this decision right now?
0: Um, they, they want to see where he was when they brought him in the first time. And it was good enough to to say, Hey, we can bring him in again. Cause I, to my understanding, he has another workout um, that he has to complete first right. before they yep. sign him to the practice squad, I guess. So in, in my mind is just to see how has he looked since the first time we worked him out to now. And We've given him this opportunity because maybe the young guys that we've had in the building haven't been doing what we uh, thought they were going to live up to or, or whatever the case may be. So I feel like it's a little bit of both. Him coming in the building just to be on Peace Squad, I doubt that's the reason they're bringing him in there. It's a little bit to give <laughs> <laughs> give that room like a nudge, like, okay, we, we will bring a guy in and replace him. I don't feel like Dez would be on that P squad for, for too long because he fits that build for that style of offense that they run, that physical sh- – he doesn't have to stretch the field like that. He can run slants. He, he's physical enough to run the short, intermediate routes and and work off of what they really need at the X receiver.
1: For those right. listening, just to give them an idea, what do you think a timeline looks like? Like like you said. <clears> to you catch him up? Dez Bryant. Yeah. No, just like – how long does it take for him to get onto the active roster? Obviously, if they brought him in, let's say they sign him today or tomorrow, he's on practice squad through the bye week. Like, is he playing against Pittsburgh, or does he need you know two weeks running before he's in there?
0: I feel like it's a very strong possibility he could play for Pittsburgh. They they do the move uh, right before the bye. They, they practice during the bye. It's not like a complete week off, so it's an evaluation period for upstairs. Yeah, to everybody else, it's a rest day for your main guys. But for other guys like Dez coming in that situation, they're gonna get a lot of reps. So they're gonna see where he's at. And if he comes in there and does what we know Dez to do, just a little bit of Dez, they're gonna they're gonna have to throw him in the mix. It's gonna be a no brainer. Why not?
2: No doubt.
1: Alley, what do we think? Does Ryan throwing up the X yet or what? Hey, I don't know how soon he's going to play, but, uh, you know, this th- this move
2: in general does not surprise me. Obviously, the Ravens love to take the seasoned vets uh, for some reason, and it's kind of wild when you think about it, but the Ravens always get their most production at the wide receiver position from uh, seasoned vets, you know, the 30 and over club. Uh, we've seen it with Ishmael. We've seen it with Steve Smith, Bolden, Mason, uh, whoever else, Mike Wallace, so um, I think this is just going to be another one of those names that you throw in that bunch. And I like the move, but uh, it's scary with the Achilles injury because, you know, that's a terrible injury to sustain uh, and try to come back from. But with that, I still like the low risk of it. Um, but my thing is, you know, not to try to jump off your question. My question is what now happens with Miles Boykin? Because I like Miles Boykin. I feel like there is a lot of potential there. He's a great guy to, to to use as a blocker. So I'm thinking, do you think in the near future, do we give him the Darren Waller treatment? Do we put him on that diet plan, make him bulk up 20 to 30 pounds, put him at tight end um, and have that second guy? Or, you know, do we just let Miles fall down the depth chart and just see where it goes from there?
1: I think taking both of your points into consideration, mm-hmm. number one, Des Bryant, like, Competition builds, builds Mm -hmm. these guys. And Miles Boykin, who hasn't been playing well, there's no one that's taking his spot. There's no one on that Ravens roster that's really, you know, maybe Duvernay a little. So Dez comes in. So now he's like, okay, I got to go. And then exactly what you said about this low risk. There is no risk. So, like, you bring him in, Miles gets motivated. That's a win. You bring him in, he looks anything like he used to look like. That's a win. Also, you bring him in. He looks horrible. Miles Boykin still doesn't look good. You cut him, and then you move on he to the on next guy. So it, it's one of the safest moves of of the that the Ravens could have made. Now the question I have that it's funny. One of my friends who plays soccer who just casually follows the Ravens. He he hits me up. He goes, "I don't really get it. Why would the Ravens take a shot on Dez Bryant and not Antonio Brown?" So that got me thinking. Right, like Des Bryant. It's been longer since he's had that tag, but the tag was there. Des Bryant was your locker room cancer. Like he was disruptive to the locker room and that's the Antonio Brown thing. Now the only real counter, and maybe you guys can bring something else to the table is Antonio does have that domestic abuse or whatever kind of follows him around, which in the Ravens organization obviously has to be X'd out. Every organization should. So I'm not sure if that's what you guys think is holding back. Cause he makes a lot of sense. Hollywood's his cousin ties to Lamar South Florida. Um, Kamar, what do you, you know, the Ravens organization best. Is that all it is or do they not think AB still has it? What is it? I don't know. I
0: think they, they, they know AB still has it. I think AB comes with a bigger price tag than Dez does just because of the, the statue of why AB is not in the league. It's not because of injury related problems. It's just because of his, his trouble off the field des you gotta look at des rap sheet and say well he's had the injury we don't know if he's the same des we haven't seen anything well when we put a b in there we've seen it so do you take a risk and put a b in a situation where hey you're not going to be the guy and we know he can blow up and be be that that locker room type of person that hey i need the ball we're not doing what we're supposed to do on offense or do you bring a guy in like des that uh is desperate for an opportunity more so than an a b and it fits the scenario. If it doesn't work out for them, it works out for the organization. So I, I feel like that—that's what it came up to. It wasn't more so that. I, trust me, I think they want AB. If they can get AB and, yeah. and get them for cheap, <laughs> yeah. they would get them.
1: How How much does the You know, Hollywood being his cousin actually play into this like relationships. Are they that important? Would Hollywood literally say like, hey, take a discount, come play here? Because as much as I think Dez definitely has to prove himself, Antonio does need that one year just to get back into the league and not even show his production, show that he's not going to be disruptive. We know what Antonio Brown's going to do if he's on the field. We saw last year he played like six snaps with Tom Brady and scored a touchdown. So we know he's got it. But do you think Hollywood has any say in that? He has zero say in that. <laughs> nah, this is this is go. this is
0: Hollywood's second year though, so he has zero say. Upstairs is not going to listen to Hollywood. Hollywood needs to—they're going to they're gonna look at Hollywood like you need to worry about getting your career jump-started and doing what you need to do. Let us worry about the management side. So I, I doubt Hollywood is in a position to be able to come in there and say, "Hey, I think we need to go get him." You know, you know what I mean? He yeah. hasn't—he hasn't done enough in my eyes or in their eyes. I know for a <laughs> fact in their eyes that he's at a position where he can he can do that. Now if you switch the roles and you say hey AB's who Hollywood is on that team and they're trying to bring in a Hollywood type of guy then I can see a AB having an influence with the organization and bringing him in. But I don't see it the opposite. What about
1: in influencing Antonio?
0: You mean in Hollywood? Not
1: the, not no no, I'm talking like so you're saying Hollywood can't go up to DeCosta or the, or Bashadi and say, hey, bring in Antonio. Joke, jokingly
0: he, he might, but I don't think yeah. they'll pay him any yeah. attention though. But it, yeah. he, he might bring it up in a room. And, and, and to be honest, if he brings it up in a room, you got to understand, these guys in the room have a bond already. Yes, your cousin, but right. we've been grinding together. Right. We've been going through this together. So we already in the room feel like we can get the job done if they give us a certain amount of opportunities. So. For you to be in a room with these guys and you grinding and you're vouching for another guy to come in, it's gonna kinda of be like a, a slap in that room. And I and from me outside looking in, it seems like they're pretty tight um from yeah. up 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 the bottom.
1: Yeah. Jowie, what do you think about A.B.? I mean, this is like kumar saying, it's very different in the room versus, you know, we're fans and we wanna see Antonio Brown did dirty things to us for <laughs> feels like a decade. <laughs> So, what do you think? Uh, well, to answer your first
2: question, uh, you know previously that you stated, I do think that relationships play a major part in it. Um, I mean, we could look at the reunion between Calais and Yannick, or we could look at uh, Dwayne Haskins and then Scary Terry being drafted two rounds later, or uh, you know, situations like that. So I do feel like relationships, um, even OBJ and uh Jarvis Landry. So I think these do have a uh, impact on the game, but similar to what Kamara said, you know, uh, Hollywood being able to come through and just saying, "Oh, you should get my cousin," and they're like, eh, "Yeah, whatever." pipe down, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you knew here. But aside from that, do I feel like Hollywood may be able to convince AB? that's another thing because you know ab does have an ego um i'm not sure where that ego lies right now because he hasn't been in the forefront but uh it's one of those situations to where maybe hollywood can tell him what he needs to do in order to Uh, fit in with the organization because Hollywood's been there. This is the second year here. So he can kind of give him a walkthrough, like this is how they do things here. This is what you need to do. This is what they expect from you, whatever. So um, if that was the case, I would love to see that. I mean, having AB on our speedy roster with Hollywood on the opposite side, uh i just think that would just be dangerous all around and generally like speaking with our defense bulking up and having a b in that offense i do think that we would have a better chance competing against a kansas city chiefs so that's just my opinion.
1: you know it obviously like from a fan perspective we hear ravens culture and every time there's kind of this you know anyone who's had any off the field problems the ravens are always a destination because it's like you're gonna straighten up and you're gonna behave within their system how much truth is there to that? And, like, what do the Ravens do differently that maybe someone like Dez, who has those locker room, or even Antonio Brown, that the Ravens or Ravens fans would feel comfortable knowing he's coming to Baltimore. And he might not act out like he did in Pittsburgh or wherever those guys were. Well,
0: ba- Baltimore is good for letting you be yourself, to be honest. They, they let you come here, be your true personality, but be your true personality within the system. It's a way to do it. It's a way to be yourself. It's a way to represent yourself. So they're going to allow him to be himself. They're going to allow him to be uh, the, the tenacious, throwing up the X and doing all that stuff. As long as you're doing your job and it aligns with what they want to do as a team uh, and their core values so as long as you're not out of line and you're not being a cancer in there but you're bringing a spark to the team and they're taking it as energy from you that they're going to be fine with it they're going to run with it they're going to let you do what you want
1: so since i didn't foresee any of this happening why not have some fun let's just throw out another name julio jones Mm. um (laughs) He's he's potentially on the trade block. And if you can't get Antonio Brown, if Des Bryant isn't what he is, this would be by far the biggest price tag, not only have to trade a first, but you're getting a guy who's making, you know, 15, 18, $20 million over the next few years. With that being said, you're also getting Julio Jones, which I mean, he would probably be the best receiver the Ravens have ever had by a landslide. And that's even talking about Steve Smith, hall of famer, Anquan Bolden, hall of famer. Um, Julio Jones, Kamar, is it worth giving up what it would take and how much we'd have to pay him going forward, knowing you got to pay Lamar, you got to pay the tackles. Um, and you're kind of saying we're pushing our chips in maybe even for this year, not even for two years. And Julio is getting kind of to that crossroads of what would be perceived as an old receiver. But Julio Jones in purple feels good. So <laughs> what do you think?
0: Uh, for, for, for me, I would I would have to say what what's Julio's mindset. Is he in a mindset of, I've made my money. I'm not really necessarily trying to go to a, a place where I'm going to get the ball 10 times a game because he's not going to get the ball 10, 12 times a right. game in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. am I Am I going to be okay with getting only five targets? Now, I'm not saying he's not going to be able to do something with those five targets, but he's not going right. to get targeted the same. So is he going to be comfortable in his career right now to say, hey, I can take a back seat on the targets and come here on the purpose of winning, then I can see it working. And then the Alabama ties with Ozzy and everybody else. I never doubt anybody that went to Alabama. If you're in any talks with coming to Baltimore, it's a strong possibility you're probably going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Gally, what do you think about Julio Jones?
2: Ah, man. Uh, seeing julio in our offense would be crazy but like kamar said um and sorry to keep piggybacking i know people probably want us to combat (laughs) each other but you know he's stating facts um it's all about his mindset does he want to be that guy to play his role to help the team thrive or does he want to demand the ball i gotta get touchdowns now because i couldn't get him in atlanta or something like whatever the case may be so it all comes down to his mindset but you know, there is a part of me that wouldn't spend the money on Julio. And the reason why I wouldn't spend the money on Julio is because I feel like there are cheaper options out there that can be just as productive. So I look at a Chicago Bears where you have Allen Robinson. I would go with Allen Robinson, who's not only younger, but he'll also be cheaper. Um, polished route runner. He thrives in contested catches. Uh, deep threat ability so that's kind of where I would go when it comes to getting a receiver because um, you get more years out of him and yeah I just feel like Julio was a much larger price tag than what we should be offering at this moment
1: since March, I've said, I don't, the only move I want to make is for Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. And if the bears weren't five and one, if they were one and five, like the Falcons, <laughs> I think it's more realistic. But now it's like, how many times are you trading your, yeah, your best. But I, I mean, I love Alan Robinson. And he's <laughs> like, you said, he's younger. He, he's, uh, he's not signed yet. So that, that could be a rental. I but I, got,
0: I got a question for y'all <clears throat> <If you're, throat> going back to the AB topic. <throat> If you're yeah. if you're AB and you have the options to play with Lamar Jackson or um, going Russ. with with with, uh, with Wilson, what, what do you decide? You're not losing you're it, it, going, it. It's so a win-win. But the
1: current MVP <laughs> who's scoring 40 <laughs> points a game. I mean, yeah. No, that's a it's a great point. In fairness, I think like if we are gonna say just think about old Antonio Brown, which is number one. DK is their number one. If Antonio Brown walked to Baltimore tomorrow, I love Andrews. I love Hollywood. I love those guys. But he would probably be number one without even reading a page of the playbook. If he goes to Seattle, he's got some competition. But as it comes to... You don't think so? I don't so. think so. Think I
0: think he can take that number one road. You guys got to yeah. you got to remember where AB left on off. Day
1: one, though, I was no,
0: saying. Not, yeah, not not day one. DK's yeah. on the paper. It's going to look like DK's the, right. the the guy. I'm not going to say he's going to come in and outpass yeah. DK. DK's been in a rhythm. He's been going. But yeah. if you let him stay there and you let him build, he can. He's definitely going to be your number one. He, he has a lot more juice than what people think he has left in the tank.
1: Uh, that's why I'm obsessed with the idea of getting him. Like people are like, this guy's been out the league for so long. Like, it's Antonio Brown. He's still. He's <laughs> not like he, he shrunk. Like he's always been smaller. He's right. the same guy. He's a beast. Um, this podcast definitely has a different energy than it probably would have had 24 hours ago. Because <laughs> uh, last week against the Eagles was one of the more painful uh, performances mm. ever by the Ravens in a win, at least. I did see a tweet from Michael Campanaro. Did you play with him? Yep, yeah. Mike Camp. Yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he he was tweeting, he was like, Ravens fans are so dumb. Like, five years ago, if we played like this, we'd be two and four through six games. And now the Ravens are playing bad, averaging 30 points a yeah. game, yeah. and they're five and one. Exactly. Um, so, expectations and first world problems are definitely at the core of, of Ravens fans right now. But... We can't deny the Ravens offense does not look pretty. We've discussed it over the past few weeks. But, Kamar, what did you see uh, last Sunday from the Ravens? Yeah,
0: it it wasn't pretty. It's still defense leading the way. And and you're okay with that because at the end of the day, when it's come playoffs football, defense is going to have to lead the way. Um, But you would like to see the offense uh, in a little bit of, of a better rhythm at this point. Um, they haven't been able to do that yet. They haven't really been able to establish, I want to say, a guy at the receiver yet. We know Hollywood's the guy, but they really haven't established a guy and got a guy going to say, hey, we got a game changer. Real, real. You know what I'm saying? They don't really have that game yeah, changer yeah. at that position yet. So um, I-, I would say yeah, y- yes. The offense, you would love to see them doing a little better, but then at the same time, like, their their record fe- speaks for itself. So you're okay with where they're at, and you're understanding that they're getting better as the weeks go on.
1: I think that's the key point is, like, you don't have to be a Super Bowl team in week six. You actually don't want to be. You want to be by the Super Bowl. right? Yeah. yeah what would you see against the Eagles? Um,
2: I was hurt. I'm not even going to lie to you because <laughs> I remember, you know, last podcast during my score prediction, I said the score would be 31-13. The score yeah. was 30 to 14. <laughs> and then it just all went downhill after a fourth and nine. Eyes closed. Carson Wentz just threw a prayer up and he scored yeah. a touchdown, and everything just trickled down and we ended up winning by two. But yeah, it was very uh a very strange game. Um just because of that comeback. I felt that the offense, you know, I felt like, you know, they kind of took away our bread and butter. You know, the running game, I think JK had about like three yards of carry. Uh, Gus had maybe like two yards to carry and Mark Mm -hmm. Ingram ended up getting injured. So Lamar had to carry the way with the rushing game and he also had to be the passer. So I feel like that was a little bit relying too much on Lamar Jackson. And, you know, everybody plays a piece in that, the O-line, running backs, whatever. Uh, So, yeah, when you take away that bread and butter, things get a little shaky and you got to try to figure out what to do. Um, but I do want to give major props to Nick Boyle because I feel like Nick Boyle doesn't get enough credit. Uh, obviously he's a great blocker; he's our blocking tight end. But I feel like when Mark Andrews is absent, he seems to be the one that always steps up. And I, I before the week started, a lot of people were talking about we need to. I miss Hayden Hurst, and uh, we need to get a tight end, get in JUCO, and I'm like. That's cool, but Nick Boyle is a reliable second option in my personal opinion. I've never seen him let us down. Um, He'll make up for the touchdowns and different things like that. So I feel like he's deserving of more credit of what he brings to the team versus just being that guy, oh, he's the backup. If Mark Andrews isn't thriving, we need a tight end. And I feel like that's a slap
1: in his face. Yeah, you've definitely seen the progression over the last year and a half, which was, I mean, people gave him the respect. The smart football people of he's incre- he's almost another offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But it was like he's not he had zero touchdowns. And the Ravens even played that up on social media. This guy's never scored, he's never scored, he's been stopped at the one. Right. He finally got in the end zone so and now he you know, he's much better as a receiving tight end as the second option. Right. Nick Boyle's never gonna be number one, but I agree with you. So definitely credit to him. Lamar did do a lot of the work. Which I think if we thought, you know, week six last year, if Lamar threw for 190, ran for 110, and scored, you know, we scored 30 points, we would probably be happy. But it just doesn't feel the same. We knew the Eagles defense would slow the run. But once again, it just made the offense not really go. And then the weirdest part by far were the penalties. It was just oh, super yeah. unraven like, it extended every single drive. Uh, Kumar, going into a bye week. With that type of penalties and a Ravens organization, what I mean, what do the coaches say? Like, is it as bad as maybe we think it would be in the film room? Uh, for
0: penalties, yes. If they if they have the same mindset and the same mentality from when I was there, penalties <laughs> penalties is probably their worst issue, like with the team, because those are self inflicted and you can kind of avoid those. So they mm-hmm. they have meetings about them. They talk before the season starts. <laughs> They're big on. It. I remember a time when I was there. We spoke about it in the first. Play of the the kickoff versus Cincinnati, I get I get the first person to foul. And now we just went over this for a whole week, and so so I, <laughs> I I know how they view that, and I know how they look at it. So I know they're harping on that, and, and they're gonna do a, a lot uh, within these practices to make sure that guys uh, don't have uh, a lot of these penalties. Whether it's drills, whether it's whatever that scenario was that made you get that that penalty, they're gonna put you in that same that same drill and and make you react it and and make sure that you don't do it again, basically.
2: Now, quick quick question. What is your mindset when something like that happens? You go a whole week studying this thing or talking about this stuff. You're the first one to commit something. Do you move <laughs> with the mindset of, damn, I messed up. Coach's going to chew me out. Or is it like, I got to make up for it on the offensive end. Like, I got to do something crazy to make him forget for,
0: for me at the time, for the, the player that I got into it with, I told the coaches, I said, if I would have let him do what he did to me and not responded, I would have got punked yeah. every week from here on out. So they kind of <laughs> looked at me thing. and they and, and they kind of understood where I was coming from just because of the player that I got into it with. So okay. uh, for, for me, and, and, and I do do that, like if you do make a penalty using on special teams or something like that, my mindset is, okay, I got to go on offense. I got to go make a big play. I got to go do something to kind of erase that because if you don't, that's all you got on film. So now you're you exactly. waiting and you watching film. You're like, damn, I'm waiting for them to play my, my bad play today.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Last thing for the Eagles game, Kumar, uh, Marcus Peters not wearing socks or wearing ankle socks or whatever the hell he's got going on there. <laughs> my buddy hit me up cause it kind of went viral this week. And um, my buddy hit me up cause I reposted it cause I thought it was funny. And he's like, that's a fine. Like, NFL players are required to wear socks up to their whatever calves knees. Is he just eating a 10 K and, and he was like, the fines grow every week. If he did it once, maybe it's five or 10 K, but if he continues to do it, like does he not even care about the fines because it just makes him feel faster? Like, what, what's this guy doing
0: yeah uh, i think he's just taking the fines and just it's a right so it is a write-off so <laughs> ah, <laughs> he could know that. Yeah, it's it, a it is a write-off um so they're, they're able to to take those flags and take those penalties and take those um and and use them as a write-off so he might just be chucking and just saying hey i'm just gonna use it as a write-off and then i know the defensive mindset of him if you think of basketball players and you think of a guy coming out there with no socks you think he plays defense. He's not out here to score. He's not out here to do anything. He's just out here to play defense. So I feel like he's kind of bringing that like scrappy, I'm not, I'm not here to look good. I'm just here to play straight defense on you. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Wait, so is it a tax write-off or whatever because the, are the fines go to charity? Is that what it is? So they
0: say they go to charity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they say, (laughs)
1: they
0: they say, so the NFL used to be a nonprofit. what it was right, three four right. years ago. So they say they were sending the money to a nonprofit. To, to our knowledge and to my knowledge, I think they were sending it to themselves. Um, right. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but um, yes, <laughs> I, I, it, it is a it is a write off um, because it's a it, it's something that's a part of your job, so you're able to write it off.
1: That makes sense. So all right, so maybe the guy's not as crazy as he looks out there. Maybe he's a little smarter than we think. <laughs> All right, Ravens flock. That was a fun episode. We got Yannick. We got Dez. If you listen to the last 20 minutes, we might get a B and Julio. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, We're all in. after the bye, after the bye, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh plays Tennessee this week, they're undefeated. They lead the division, but in, you know, 10 days, the Ravens could be leading the division and the Steelers could have two losses. So a lot is about to move. I feel good about the Ravens playoff chances. The division, you know, Pittsburgh, they're, they're a real team. Cleveland, I think, is an okay team, not necessarily challenged for the division. But with only one uh, one bye this year in the one seed, the Ravens could take advantage of the Chiefs now having a loss, and uh, maybe Tennessee or Pittsburgh is going to lose this weekend. So we'll catch you next week, Ravens Flock. I'm Jack and That was Kamar Aiken and the Kid Galley. Peace.